Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. What's going on, Cuse fans? This is Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Tyler Aki got you here till 10 o'clock. Thanks so much for joining us on this Saturday morning. Got a lot to get to. We've got a bombshell in college basketball that I'll address in just a second. We'll also have Tim Leonard on later on, a colleague of ours at the Fizz, to break down everything that went down this week in the world of college hoops. Also, We'll get cracking on football a little bit more. Season less than three weeks away. Syracuse traveling to Kalamazoo to open up the season against Western Michigan. So I'll get into some of those thoughts later on in the show. And then we'll wrap things up as always with Fizz feedback. But first, be sure to follow us everywhere online on Facebook, SoundCloud, Twitter, iTunes, Orange Fizz. And be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and you'll get all these Fizz Radio episodes, Fizz Casts, exclusive interviews, all that great content and more. And then find us on the web, orangefizz.net. We're doing our football positional previews right now, so be sure to check all those out. We're pumping out three a week, so we've we've gone through uh, almost half of it so far. So be on the lookout for all of that. Everything will be out before the season is underway. All right, so... Well, let's just dive right into it. A giant bombshell dropped on college basketball. And it feels like a bombshell in the fact that it seemingly you're letting the, the villain kind of take over the sport in a sense. Now, if you didn't see what happened or, or don't remember exactly what happened, basically what's happening is the NCAA is allowing agents to kind of get into the game a little bit. And by that, I mean... You have to be an NCAA-approved agent and an NBPA-approved agent. And you can now represent high school seniors that are going to college and then with NBA aspirations. Now, the caveat in all of this is that these prospects need to be on the USA basketball list of quote-unquote elite recruits. And that's where kind of, for me at least... The waters get muddied a little bit. Now, these agents can pay for player travel, player food. They basically comp these players on on all these uh, trips and stuff like that. And uh, along with that, they'll also comp the parents as well. And and I think the parents need to be comped whether or not you're an elite recruit or not. So that's good news in that sense. But here's where things get a little tricky. And... Now you're kind of throwing all the power on USA Basketball and the NBA in a sense. And to me, especially with the news coming out now that the USA Basketball and the NBA are kind of blindsided by this whole effect, it makes you think a little bit because I don't think they want to shoulder this burden. USA Basketball, it's one of those organizations where it feels prestigious and and it is they they almost never lose you look at every single level FIBA 16U 17U 18U and then you get to the Olympics they never lose and and to me there's there is a prestige and and yes you kind of have to build up a brand but they don't want to shoulder this load they don't want this power you are 
replacing the corruption in your sport. You are shouldering it now to USA Basketball. And maybe you're giving some kids, in turn, opportunities that they may not deserve. Because now that you're bringing the agents in, and now that these agents are okay by the NCAA, maybe these agents are going under the table to USA Basketball so that they can get these kids as these quote-unquote elite recruits. And now you're just shouldering that into a different entity of the game. To me, that's where this does not make sense. The NCAA just took all of its corruption, and don't get me wrong, there will still probably be some in the sport, but they are now transferring it and trying to flush it out into some of the levels of basketball where this is okay. I mean, you look at the NBA, you can pay whoever you want. I don't know the exact rules about USA Basketball, but it feels like a totally different world. To me, nothing has changed, yet everything feels different. And I think that's that's all right to feel that way, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to help these players out for the better. You're listening to Fizz Radio here on the Score 1260. Tyler Aki talking the new college basketball rules. And to me, I feel like Syracuse does get a little bit of help in this because maybe these recruits see, oh, Jim Beheim, he's got some ties to USA Basketball. Maybe I want to go play for that guy because he can get me an agent and maybe that'll bump me up the recruiting rankings and maybe USA Basketball will deem me an elite recruit if Jimmy B can put in a word for me. Now, don't get me wrong, that helps out a number of other people, too. It helps out Coach K. It helps out Mike Hopkins out at Washington. And I'm sure there's a couple other names I'm forgetting. I know Billy Donovan, I know he's in the NBA now, but he had ties to some of the lower levels of USA basketball. There are these college programs now that may have a lot of power. And luckily enough for Syracuse, they're one of them. And we may see the recruiting scene kind of change a little bit because Jim Beheim has those USA basketball ties. Coach K does too. Hop does too. But so does Beheim. And if you turn this into a three-dog race, that helps you out a little bit. Along with that, the guy who has been getting all these one-and-dones and exploiting kind of this, this new era of college basketball is Coach Cal. And he just picked up a five-star recruit earlier this week, Khalil Whitney, a guy who Syracuse had on their radar but kind of tailed off after a little bit. You don't want to know what Team Coach Cal represents in the FIBAs? The Dominican Republic. Why? He wanted Carl Anthony Towns. What did Carl Anthony Towns deliver? Not a championship. Coach Cal may try to wriggle his way back into the USA basketball system because he's got the name to do it. But if he can't do that, then maybe you're talking about a little bit of a trickle-off for Kentucky. Now, don't get me wrong. Cal's a complete players coach. Again, he always advocates for these guys to go to the NBA, for these guys to go pursue their dreams of reaching the league. But if Cal can't allure those kids the same way, because he's got the Dominican basketball ties instead of the United States, 
then maybe we see Kentucky trail off a little bit. It's going to be interesting for Syracuse. And again, this is a, a rule that probably would have affected the Orange this season had it been in place because I mentioned that the whole NBA draft combine is now a part of this where players who get invited to the draft combine while they're testing the waters and now they can enter the NBA draft and if they don't get picked, they have until the Monday after the draft to report to the school saying, I want to come back. And I think knowing what we know now, Tyus Battle probably enters his name into the NBA draft. And if he doesn't like his spot or if he wants to come back to school after getting undrafted, he does exactly that. This would have affected Syracuse. It would have affected a handful of other programs. Not a lot. So really you're showing that it doesn't change a lot, but Syracuse is one of the programs that it would have affected. Battle had the combine invite. He went to the combine. Clearly didn't like the results he was getting. But I think if this rule was in place, Tyus Battle would have entered his name into the NBA draft. And I wouldn't blame him either. Why wouldn't you? You're getting... The, the whole thing about him and what he said since his combine invite is, I've got the answers to the test. Well, not only does he have the answers to the test going into the test, but he literally has those answers sitting right beside him while he's taking the test now, if this rule was in play. I think Tyus Battle really wishes this rule was in effect now. Because it, it could have completely changed the arc of his career. Say he does meddle his way into the first round. He's gone. And don't get me wrong, I saw Tyus Battle at the tournament at LAU Brooklyn supporting Bayheim's Army. And it seemed like he was genuinely happy to be back. It seemed like he really, really was happy to be coming back and excited for the season ahead for Syracuse. But aside from that, I still think he would have tested and I still think he would have gone to the NBA draft had this rule been in effect. All right, coming up next, we'll go into a little bit more of this. Tim Leonard, our colleague at The Fizz, is on the way. You're listening to Fizz Radio. All right, we're back. Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Tyler Ockin. I'm joined now by Tim Leonard. Just wrapped up a little bit of basketball talk, but now I want to get even more in depth. Tim, thanks so much for joining me. Crazy week in college basketball. Didn't think we'd ever get to this point with the sport. Um, it, it's pretty crazy what went on, all right? And I kind of touched on it in the last segment, but well, let's dive in a little bit more. So just basically going through some of these rules. First of all, Players can now come back to school if they participate in the NBA Draft Combine. So that means that if Tyus Battle would have went to the draft last year and didn't get picked, or I think he could he could have even gotten picked, not liked where he got slotted, and then not taken it, and then come back to school. So when you look at everything, really a, a crazy situation. But he could have come back to school. Now these kids can sign agents out of high school. We're not going to recognize college basketball in, in the next three years if this stands pat. Yeah, it's it's weird. On one hand, when you look at the headlines of this stuff, and even when you got the news and sent it to me, my initial reaction was like, whoa, this is like groundbreaking stuff. Well, no, 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 headlines... no. Your initial reaction was, all right, I'm on Fizz Radio this week. Yeah, exactly. That, that, was, that was reaction A. And then reaction B was, 
holy cow, like, this is actually some big changes here. Like, this is kind of a bombshell from the NCAA. But when you really dive into it, it's not going to affect too much because you've got to be an underclassman to qualify for the, if you get into the combine, and then if you don't get drafted, you can come back. There's so many ifs involved. And, I mean, how many guys really, like, I guess Trayvon Duval this year. I think think there were five guys that this would have applied to. Yeah, and I feel like that's like a high number relatively compared to other drafts in terms of if you're an underclassman and you get invited to the combine, you're probably going to get drafted. Yeah, I agree. Um, Basically, nothing really changed, but things kind of... They they did change, but they didn't at the same time. That's kind of my whole thought process behind this. When you dive into it, the NCAA basically is going to set this corruption now on USA Basketball. And that's that's where things get dicey because it seems like the NBA and USA Basketball have been blindsided by this. I don't know if they're necessarily a fan. And say what you want about USA Basketball, they're not that prestigious of an organization because I don't know how much they really care about all of this. Because when you think about USA Basketball, they just kind of go through the motions and expect to win. That's just what the program is and and yes they they bring up all these guys but like think about it i i can't remember who they were playing i think it was like a month ago but they held a team either scoreless or to like two points in a quarter like usa basketball and the and the competition they play it feels like a joke every year and just think about the olympics every single year usa basketball is expected to win and when they don't it's a massive disappointment but they almost always do so it really doesn't matter and now that you're going to trickle this down to the lower levels where it feels like even more of a joke almost, that's when things are going to get dicey. And now the corruption, I think, is going to come into USA Basketball where almost like the tides are turned in a sense where maybe people are like, all right, you got to kind of pull strings for me as the player yeah. So that I can get this agent and then I can figure everything else financially from there. It, there's still so much gray area with this whole thing. I It almost feels like a long con or they were just moving over some chess pieces to set themselves up for a big true bombshell down the road. Because, I, I mean, think about now how much is weighted on whether the NBA selects a given player to come to the combine and how much that could impact a player's future. So there's that gray area. And then you talk about the elite-level recruits, and they have to be named that way by USA Basketball. In there's order no to way they're going to accept that, too. I don't yeah, think they want that power. It's just a weird... And I thought the most interesting part is that they allow an elite-level USA Basketball... I forget the specific terminology they use, but an elite-level USA Basketball guy can sign an agent after their senior year of high school, like before they start college. Right. That just felt like they're just setting that up because they know the one and done role is about to be axed in the coming years. And I think you're you agree that the one and done is probably gone soon, yeah, right? Within the next like three years, I'd say. It's just so inevitable at this point. Yeah. It feels like we we need to just get rid of it now and, and stop delaying it. But that one Which by the way, I don't think removing the one and done is gonna change a ton in college basketball. No. And it, and it kind of stinks for college basketball fans like ourselves because, I don't know, maybe it doesn't stink because what's happened now with this one-and-done era and 
and how that's become a little exaggerated and coach K and coach Cal have adopted this different style and we can get into that, but it's, it's, there's good and bad with removing removing it, but at the end of the day, it probably doesn't change much. And I think everyone knows it's coming at some point. Yeah. The thing for me too, is think about a guy like this year, RJ Barrett, Canadian. So how does he kind of factor into this whole thing? And even in years past, Say USA Basketball says, okay, you're not a top-level prospect. You're not in this elite recruit category that we're going to put you in. And then it turns out, like, the kid's Ben Simmons, who has options where he can play. Not, not, I mean, Ben Simmons was the number one overall recruit, but say Ben Simmons was maybe a fringe top 15 guy. And now he's got this option where, oh, I can play for Team Australia down the line or I can play for Team USA. He's probably going to take Team Australia because he got backhanded X amount of years ago by Team USA because they didn't deem him an elite-level recruit. This kind of dooms USA basketball. I won't say it dooms USA basketball because even it feels like the second or third tier of NBA players could probably win the Olympics or whatever FIBA competition there is down the line, but it it puts USA basketball in a a situation that, quite frankly, it seems like they don't want to be in. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, this whole thing's just kind of a smokescreen from the NCAA. It, they needed to do something after the FBI came out hard against them and all that public scrutiny with that scandal. I even remember the commissioner at one point or the president of the NCAA saying, you know, we're going to make changes before next year. And this is them doing that. And on paper, and initially when you look at the headlines of this, it sounds like there's a lot of big changes. But when you dive deeper into it, like what nothing changed next year is college basketball going to be any different next year compared to what it was this past year. No. Yeah, not at all. I, I completely agree with that. And when you think about it too, so coach K is the winner in all this. I feel like, cause he's kind yeah. of the czar of USA basketball and Bayheim's got ties there. Hopkins has ties there. So I guess those are some of the winners of this that all right by the way props to coach k for jumping on that corner because (laughs) that's helped him immensely with recruiting and he was savvy to think of that because now you know he can have a lebron or any of those guys contact some of his recruits and that's just even more pull and and that's the joke now with it all it's like oh you come in for a recruit say like an rj barrett comes in for a recruit who's your favorite player Oh, oh jason tatum here. Yeah. <laughs> L- let me get on the phone real quick. Right. Um, speed dial. You, you like Kevin Durant? Second. Here. Let me let me get Kevin Durant on here for you real quick. But along with that too, the guy who kind of screwed himself a little bit is Coach Cal because he's the the Dominican <laughs> coach. Yeah, and okay, yeah, it worked out for you. You got Carl Anthony Towns that one time who didn't deliver you a championship, and ever since that now it, it does you no good to be a part of the Dominican team. Yeah. So is this the demise of Kentucky basketball? <laughs> we'll see. I mean, they're already trending that way. Let's be honest. Yeah. They're they're struggling to get the big name. Although guys they did get more. Khalil Whitney the other day. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, I did see that. Syracuse was after. Syracuse him, was. I think they trailed off a little bit down the end, and a, a big mistake by them because Khalil Whitney's a freak. That yeah. that kid's gonna be unbelievable, and Kentucky got a gem. Yeah. No, I mean they're still pulling in guys. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but. What do you make of the whole agent thing? Because I still feel like, so it, correct me if I'm wrong, but 
a college basketball player can commit to the NBA or enter his name in the draft, and then if they don't get drafted, they say they started talking to an agent because now it's allowed to have a verbal interaction and they can pay for meals and stuff in between that time frame of college to the NBA, they would still just have to renege that relationship completely if they opt out and go back to the draft. Yeah, I mean, the thing with when you add these agents into the whole thing is you're letting you're letting the crooks into the castle. Yeah. And you're just going to muddy the waters and now you can just place it on USA Basketball. Like, oh, and the NBA is saying, oh, you guys certified this guy too. And even though we, the NCAA, certified him, you guys also approve of this guy doing what he's doing. USA Basketball approves of what this guy's doing. And now you're going to let them kind of shoulder all the blame. Really, this was just a giant shift of blame by the yeah, NCAA. Exactly. They tried to find they a were, way out of it. Yeah, they're trying as hard as they can, but they're delaying the inevitable. They need to, I mean, the only real You need solution, to let these kids profit off of their likeness, and I think yeah, that's the bottom line. Right, and this is, this just feels like something that is not going to, I mean, there's not really a ton of big picture implications from this whole thing outside the fact that maybe it's just setting the groundwork to have that big picture movement and that bombshell that might be coming closer than we expected or maybe it's now more feasible because of these small chess pieces being moved in the right spots but i don't know at the end of the day they need to pay players and i don't know if they're ever going to admit that or ever going to come to that but that's really the only solution or else this whole thing is going to stay corrupt you're listening to Fizz Radio, Tyler Aki and Tim Leonard talking the new college basketball rules and and just basically the craziness or lack thereof that's about to ensue. Nothing really changes, but everything changes at the same time. Yeah, it's weird. It, I We're really not going to know the payoff of this for the next, maybe, pretty much until the one and done, I think is when we're going to be able to kind of accept what this is, but... It just doesn't make a lot of sense, and it's a, a giant PR move by the NCAA. Huge They've PR done it again. Move. They're out to dupe us, Tim Leonard, and <laughs> I, I don't know why we keep falling for it as a society because they didn't do anything. If anything, they may have muddied the waters a little bit and, and are just going to get everyone else in trouble, and then they're going to be the ones looking like goody-two-shoes. Yeah, they're relocating the blame, and it's not going to get past us. I mean, if you have any sort of smarts, you understand what the NCAA is doing. Just it's read like through it, the rules. I mean, right. it, the whole thing about the combine in the first place really makes almost no sense. Everyone's glorifying it like, oh, they're finally letting these players go back to school. Well, if you think about it, how many guys that enter the combine and and get to the point where they're going to enter the draft kind of get stuck in no man's land after very really not anyone yeah so my thing is if you're going to make that rule why not just go all in and say everyone can test the waters and i guess it's because then you got to do a ton of paperwork and then it becomes this thing where they have way too many players that really have no chance of making the nba that are technically testing the waters but if that's the scenario, if that's what you want, if you're trying to give players more freedom, you either go all in or you don't go in at all. Because what they've done in this middle ground 
has just put a lot of pressure on a player to get that combine invite. And again, that's something that I don't know who makes that decision necessarily, but that decision now has way more ramifications and almost too many ramifications than it had before. Yeah, I completely agree. All right, any last thoughts on this before we go? No, just, I mean, start paying the players. This this is just not, it's delaying the inevitable. The one-and-done era is going to be over soon, and college basketball is going to change. The landscape is going to change for a while, and it's going to be completely different. It's going to be weird to look back on this era, but at the end of the day, all this stuff is just finite until you just start making big moves. All right. That's Tim Leonard, writes for us at orangefizz.net. Be sure to check his stuff out. Tim, thanks so much. We'll talk soon. Yep, talk soon. All right, coming up next, get into a little bit of football talk season right around the corner. You're listening to Fizz Radio. This is Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Tyler Aki got you here a little bit longer on the voice of the Central New York sports fan. Just wrapped up a ton of basketball talk, and if you missed any of that, Feel free to check it out on the podcast version of this show. You can get that by subscribing to us on Apple Podcasts, and you'll get all the latest Fizz Radio episodes, as well as FizzCast. Those will be up and running more and more as we get into football season, so be on the lookout for all of that. We'll also have our comprehensive season preview for Syracuse football, so that's coming up in, I guess, about two weeks, so be on the lookout for that. You can also find us on orangefizz.net, and that is exactly where we're going for this segment. Um, I wrote an article earlier in the week about Syracuse football's freshmen. I, I entitled it the Fab Five for Syracuse football because I think there are five guys that really do kind of stick out in this class and guys who can make an impact right away on the field. So I'm going to dive into that a little bit right now. And For those who haven't read the article yet, be sure to check it out on orangefizz.net. So when you look at Syracuse's class, it was ranked 9th in the ACC, it was ranked 50th nationally, and there's a lot that you can make of all of this. But the freshmen, and we haven't really seen this a ton lately, but I think there are a couple guys that could maybe make a splash in 2018. I'll start with the first name. You've heard me talk about him all the time throughout the summer. Even back in the spring, I was talking about him a little bit. His name's Andre Sisko. If you haven't heard the name, you better learn it right now because this kid seems to be like a freak. Rave reviews so far in summer camp from this kid. A safety IMG Academy product, so that's always a good sign. They're playing against the best of the best, not only in games, but also in practices. And he's just playing super physical and well beyond his years. Those are the early hearings from Q's camp. And I think you got to take that pretty strongly so far that he's this far developed. He's gotten picks. He, I believe he even has a, he had a pick six in the spring game as well, if, if memory serves me correctly there. But Cisco it, right now is the only true freshman lined up to start out of anybody. Offense, defense, special teams. And I think that's kind of saying something that Dino Babers essentially bumped Antoine Cordy out of the rotation and made a slot for Antoine Cordy because you need him on the field. But he likes the Cisco kid a lot so far. And that's clearly evident by the fact that he is in the starting lineup if the season were to start today. 
I'm super excited for what this kid can bring. I think he's got plenty of potential, and he's going to be in a very experienced group in the secondary. You've got Scoop Bradshaw coming back. You've got Chris Frederick coming back, and then you've got Evan Foster coming back. Three of your four secondary members are returners, and then even four of five if you throw in Antoine Cordy at the nickelback position. Those are valuable pieces to your defense, and a defense that really needs to step up its game and catch up to the offense if it wants to be a force, if the Syracuse team in general wants to make any noise in 2018. Another promising sign from Cisco is the fact that we're hearing Dino Babers kind of talk about the defensive backs, and he's really raving about them so far. He's saying that the defensive backs are pretty much dominating the wide receivers early on. And Cisco's a part of that defensive back unit. So... I think you got to like what you're seeing in the early stages so far out of Syracuse football's defense because I think they may be a little bit better than we think and Andre Sisko might be a reason why. Next up, another member of that defense, Trill Williams. This was one of Syracuse's higher rated recruits out of high school and he, right now he's listed as a backup cornerback and probably won't see the field as... a He'll see the field in 2018, especially with this new redshirt rule. And I think that's worth mentioning right now because all of these guys that I'm about to list, with this new redshirt rule in place, it is an almost certainty that all of them will see the field. Again, if, if you missed the new redshirt rule, you were allowed to play in up to four games and maintain redshirt eligibility. So you're going to play a team like Wagner, even a team like UConn, who's not the greatest of power fives. You can probably throw some of these guys out there for that. And then along with that, you may see it on the flip side too. You go to Death Valley and play Clemson. If you're getting blown out 50 to nothing, you can throw some of these reserves out there. And again, this kind of helps at a school like Syracuse where tuition is through the roof and maybe you don't get as many walk-ons as you like as opposed to some of the the big public universities in states and state schools, it sets you at a, a bit of a disadvantage in some of these lopsided games. And I would guess Syracuse will play two or three lopsided games this year where you need some of the extra bodies so guys aren't getting hurt. They're not jeopardizing the rest of their careers as well. And I, I think that with this new redshirt rule, we can see some of these younger guys finally get a taste of the field. And that's a good thing. So, Trill Williams, certainly one of the beneficiaries of that, even though I think he'll he'll see the field regardless. He'll be playing more than four games. I don't think we'll see him take a redshirt freshman year. Next up, Ed Hendricks, a wide receiver. Now, this kid is one of the guys I'm highest on in this entire class because he is a freak of nature. 6'3", runs a blazing 40. It, it, it's ranged all over the place, but it's between 4'3 and 4'5". And yes, that's a big window, especially for a wide receiver. But it, if it's closer to the 4-3 than the 4-5, he's going to be the perfect fit for Dino Babers. This kid, especially when we look back on it, and wide receiver is a very quantifiable position. And by that, I mean you can put up stats. And especially in this offense, if Ed Hendricks is the real deal, you're going to see some big numbers out of him, especially once he gets to his junior, senior seasons. So Ed Hendricks, certainly a guy to look out for in this season. And he's not on the depth chart yet, but we're hearing rave reviews from him 
out of camp so far. And he's getting a chance too. So that's all you can ask for if you're Ed to try to crack this rotation. Next up, another safety. We're going back to the defensive side. Another defensive back. Cam Jonas, again, I think I hit on this last week. He's coming off an ACL tear, so he hasn't really seen any action since his junior year of high school. But the fact that he's already listed on the depth chart, as he's in the or classification alongside Eric Coley for the strong safety position. So if Jonas, Jonas will probably see the field at some point, and Syracuse must be pretty high on him if they're already throwing him in and leaving out a name like a Carl Jones off the depth chart. So I think a guy like Cam Jonas certainly will see the field at some point. And we don't really know what his potential is. Again, coming off the big injury, it may take a little of adjustment period for him to, to finally settle his way in. And then the last name I've got on this list is Anthony Queeley a wide receiver out of Florida. By the way, you're listening to Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. But Queeley, he, he's kind of an interesting name. He was a recruit that was kind of under the radar. He played on a pretty good team down in Lake Nona, Florida, and maybe got overshadowed by some of the other players on his team. But we're hearing a lot about Anthony Queeley out of, the, out of camp. Antoine Cordy sang his praises he, was, he mentioned Queeley as the first name of guys who have really impressed him. And for that, and for a guy like Anthony Queeley, who, who's a great guy, and if you missed our interview with him during our National Signing Day special, go check it out. That, I, I love that kid. He, he's a great guy to talk to, so be sure to check that out if you haven't already. But Anthony Queeley, it, he may slide in, and maybe this isn't the year, and he'll probably retain his redshirt eligibility app when it's all said and done if he can't really crack that rotation. But Anthony Queeley is a guy who maybe he steps in and in some of those lopsided games he'll show you some things and then he'll have the four years after that. And as a redshirt freshman or maybe if he does eclipse that four games as a sophomore, he could have a pretty special career here at Syracuse. So there's so much that the wide receiver position can bring you. And it's kind of alarming so far because we're hearing reports out of camp that no one's really stepped up. Devin Butler hasn't really performed to the the level that Dino Babers would like. And even talking to Eric Dungy at Media Day, he says, listen, I don't know who it's going to be because no one's really stepped up. But there's going to be someone. And I completely agree with him. And obviously, he's got the inside track on all of this. It's a little alarming that he says no one stepped up. But someone is going to step up. It happens every year. And I've been saying this for a little bit, too. I think it's Jamal Custis, and we've seen some nice catches and connections from Jamal Custis so far in camp. If you go to the Syracuse football Twitter, there's there are a couple videos out there uh, of Jamal Custis hauling in some nice passes against the defense. So... He's my pick, and again, if someone's not answering the bell, don't be surprised if some of these freshmen kind of slide their way into the rotation. And Anthony Queeley and Ed Hendricks, they're deserving of chances, that's for sure. All right, coming up next, we'll close up the shop. Fizz Feedback on the way. You're listening to Fizz Radio. 
All right, wrapping this thing up here on the score 1260. You're listening to Fizz Radio. I'm Tyler Rocky. Time for Fizz feedback. I throw questions out on our Twitter account at Orange Fizz. You guys respond in the polls, and I've got a, a very interesting answer that I've got, but I'll get to that one later on. So the first one I, I put out is, will the NCAA's new college basketball rules help or hurt Syracuse? Pr- pretty front-runner answer right here. Help at 76%, hurt at 24%, and I completely agree. This is going to help Syracuse. Jim beheim has got the USA basketball ties. This entire rule is kind of centered around USA basketball, and it's going to help out the USA basketball guys. Jim Beheim's one of them. Coach K is one of them. Coach Hop's another. All these guys with USA basketball ties, I think it's going to do a lot more good than bad for their programs. This one is where things get a little bit interesting. Of the Fizz's three positional previews this week, which you can check out on our website, orangefizz.net, which unit will be the best? Is it running back, defensive end, or tight end? Running back leads the way at 38%. Defensive end leads is in second rather at 36%, and tight end pulling up at the rear at 26%. This confused me a little bit because Ravion Pierce is a special talent, and I think we kind of saw what his potential is last year. I think Dino Babers kind of saw that too, and he's seeing that, hmm, no one's really stepping up in practice to be the guy at receiver. Let's incorporate the tight end a little bit more. And Ravion Pierce, if you lined up all these guys... Ravion Pierce is the most skilled pass catcher of the bunch. He's got great red zone potential too. And we saw a lot of it last year as well. But Ravion Pierce as a target to have for Eric Dungy, I mean, he's got to love having himself a Ravion Pierce as kind of that security blanket. But I think tight end of the three is primed to have the best season. And it's interesting because we all... I mean, when we're live tweeting games, all we see is this flack being caught by the running backs. Why can't Strickland get it going? Where's Mo Neal? Is Markenzie Pierre ever going to see the field? But Fizz Nation is now saying running backs primed to have the best season of these three. A little confusing for me, especially when I don't think the best running back on the team is going to enter the season as the starter. Dante Strickland is set up right now to be the starter, but I think this team needs to go with a little more Mo Neal. He's got the home run hitting potential. We've seen it. His first ever carry was a long touchdown run. I believe it was 49 yards. He had the big, uh, it was a reception, but he had the big touchdown week one last season against Central Connecticut State. Mo Neal's got the home run hitting potential in an offense that is boom or bust. Seemingly every single drive, you need home run hitters out there. And Mo Neal is that guy. And right now, he is not set up to be the starter. And then defensive end, we got a comment actually on this one from, let me get it real quick, at CuseOrangeFan44. Wow. <laughs> Can't get more, much more Syracuse than that. Um, but it says, depends on how serious the injuries are to the three DEs currently out. And yes, We saw Kendall Coleman last season miss a lot of time. It would have been nice to have him out there, but the defense didn't get a lot of sacks last year, and that's kind of a cause for concern. Alton Robinson 
was a good piece last year. Brandon Barry was solid when he stepped in. But you need a healthy Kendall Coleman out there if you want to be any type of force on defense. If you've got the inside push with Chris Slayton, but you're going to need a lot of quarterback pressure this year because guess what? You're going to be dropping back on linebackers. Again, they're switching to a 4-2-5 scheme, a nickelback defense. Only two linebackers. You're going to need some pressure from the front four. If the defensive ends aren't getting it done, Chris Slayton can't get everything. I believe Chris Slayton only had like one or one and a half sacks last year too. So someone's going to have to help out on the defensive line. We'll see who decides to step up. All right, that's all the time we've got here on Fizz Radio for you. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week, Cuse.